Well, good morning, and welcome to Stone Creek Church again. My name is Angela, and I'm one of your pastors on staff here. And, you know, something, if you ever kind of get to know me, I have little quirks. I have little things that I like to do. And one of the things that I like to do, I love to study space. I love, like, nebula and black holes and NASA and all of that. And one of the things that I love about it is that I feel like the more I study Science is becoming to, they're starting to back what the Bible says. And one of the ways that I feel like science backs what the Bible says is through the Big Bang Theory. And when I was growing up, uh, you know, I remember in my church, I had people saying, you know, some of the older saints, ah, the Big Bang Theory, I don't believe in the Big Bang Theory, I believe in the Bible. And I believe that the Big Bang Theory actually describes something that happens in the Bible. The Big Bang Theory basically states that the universe and everything that we see began with this really hot explosion, and it went and from that explosion came everything that we have here today. So you can kind of see, we have a video that kind of describes it. And scientists are not sure what caused that first explosion. But I believe that the Bible describes it clearly. I believe that that explosion was the power of God's word saying, light be. And I believe this because Psalms 33 says that the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and the stars were born. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So it was the word of God that caused that bang. And what science tells us is that from that first explosion, the universe is still expanding which is really powerful to me because from that first light be, the universe is still being because, because he never told it to stop. He said be and it just is. So many people look at the Bible as a set of, you know, this couple thousand year old uh, uh, dusty words and what does it have to do with me today? But what we know from 2 Timothy is that all scripture is God-breathed. So that phrase, breathe, means that he spoke it. And if he spoke it, it has enormous, unfathomable power, just like when he spoke and commanded the universe to come into existence. This book is alive, and it still has tremendous power, saving power, changing circumstances power, creative power. And today in the scripture, we're going to look at, we're going to see the power of God's word to keep a man in a stormy, difficult part of his life. And if you will, in your Bibles or your devices, please turn to Acts chapter 27, or you can find the sermon notes on our QR code or on our app or website. And I feel like Acts chapter 27 is so significant to us right now. It was just on my heart so, so deeply because Apostle Paul in this chapter is going through a lot to get to where God is calling him to be, which is in Rome. And I believe that there are some of us, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. 
And it feels like there are many things that are happening, storms and waves and winds and delays and stops and starts. And when it looks like it's good and then it turns out not to be good. And I believe that Apostle Paul in this chapter will give us a little bit of hope of how we can navigate and stay anchored in our storms and whatever comes our way. In chapter 26, Paul was in prison for preaching about Jesus, and he was detained in Jerusalem where the authorities were questioning him. And in chapter 27, we see Paul being put on a ship heading to Rome to be questioned by an even higher court. And you can kind of see how far apart this was. And so for Paul, this is going to be a long, dangerous, frightening trip by sea that did not last for days or weeks, but it lasted for months and months. This chapter is long and full of details, but I just want to give you the highlights. And so one of the things I had to do while I was kind of studying for this, I wanted to see what it was like to be put on a ship and be in a storm. And I wanted to share that with you all, too, just so you can get a sense of what it was all these people on the ship were dealing with. So we're going to play a video for you of ships and storms. So in chapter 27, Paul boards this boat. He sails for a day and then has to stop. He transfers to another ship. And the Bible says that we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus when the wind did not allow us to hold our course. And sometimes we feel like the winds of life don't allow us to move in the direction we want to go. It says, we moved along the coast with difficulty. Verse 9 says, much time had been lost and sailing had become dangerous. After some time, they finally got a little bit of seemingly good news. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. I don't know who's ever felt like you were in a circumstance that you could not control, that it was guiding you and you weren't guiding it. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. They got rid of some heavy stuff, trying to make the ship lighter so that they could navigate. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them. And Paul stands up and gives this really, really confident speech on this wind-tossed boat to men who had been through the same storm as him, the same winds and waves as him, but they were exhausted, hungry, frightened, and completely without hope. But Paul is feeling encouraged and positive. How is it that he's going through the storm, but the storm doesn't have him? This is a classic example of you not looking like what you've been through, okay? You can hear the confidence in his voice in verse 10. He says, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. And I'm just, I'm imagining being one of those guys on the ship just exhausted and nauseous and hungry listening to him. 
Verse 22, he says, yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship stood beside me, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. In many ways, even though Paul was in a real storm, unlike the other men around him, he was anchored and he was steady. And I believe that we can learn something from Paul about how to be anchored in the storms in our lives too. So one of the ways that we can anchor is through God's word. Here in chapter 27, Paul received a word from God to not be afraid and that he was going to testify before Caesar. If God told Paul that he was going to testify before Caesar, then it didn't matter what the storm looked like. He was going to make it on the other side, which is good news for Paul. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. But this is not the first time that God gave Paul that word. A couple chapters before, actually, in Acts chapter 23, after a particularly rough time with the Jewish government, Jesus came and gave Paul a word. He says in Acts 23, verse 11, he says, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. They were actually almost the exact same words. One, the first one was, you'll testify about me in Rome. And the second one was, you'll testify about me before Caesar. And then he gave my extra promise, I'm going to give you all the men with you. One God gave him before he ever went into a storm. And the other word, or the reminder, Paul received when he was in the toughest part of his journey, just when everyone was losing hope. And that right there gives me hope. Because sometimes I know good scriptures, but there have been times that the, in the, that the storms in my life have loomed so large that I can't see my way through, around, or under it. I can't hardly remember what God said. I can't just hear a scripture at one time and I'm all good. I'm like, Paul, sometimes I need to hear that word again and again and again and again until I begin to believe it more than the storms around me. We're not that different from Paul. Before we ever face any kind of circumstance in our lives, God gave us his word. God breathed a word in this Bible that we can trust to keep us. On, and some of you guys may know this date, June 29th of this year, that Thursday, just a couple of weeks ago, my husband was traveling home from Baltimore, and he landed in Indianapolis, and he was getting ready to drive home. Uh, he's done it many times. His phone was low on charge, so he just wanted to call me and let me know where he was and where the GPS uh, told him, when the GPS told him that he'd be home. And so we were all excited, me and the kids. We have four kids. And so I'm like, look, y'all, we got to clean up. This man is coming home. And after a while, I started looking outside, you know, and I saw these gray clouds rolling in. 
And then those gray clouds turned dark. And I kind of started standing around the window. And when I started standing around the window, the kids started standing around the window too. And then all of a sudden, an alarm went off on my phone that said that we were getting ready to have severe weather. And I knew that my precious husband was on 74, an open highway, trying to get home to us. And I gathered all of the kids, as many of our kids as I could, and we got together and we held hands and we said Psalm 91 together. Psalm 91 is a scripture that God told us to start praying years ago, and we pray it with our children in the mornings before school, so they've started to learn it too. But that's, that's, that's kind of safe, right, in, at, before school. But this, we were in the middle of something. We had real skin in the game. Daddy was on the road. He was out in this storm. So we prayed this prayer together. And then the older two kind of walked off, and our, our eight-year-old son, our youngest son, stayed around the window. And he, I could tell, was a little bit worried still. And I said, baby, I said, whenever the fear thoughts come to your heart, why don't you say just a little piece of that Psalm 91? Just say just a little bit something, like, no evil shall befall daddy, or God will give his angels charge over daddy to keep him in all of his ways. Or, you know, if you can't remember any of that, just say, the blood of Jesus over daddy. And keep cleaning up, because daddy's coming home. So about 20 or 30 minutes after my husband was due home, he actually arrived. And we all ran outside in the rain to, you know, jump him and hug him and love him. And at, later on, I think it was the next morning, really early, we were swapping stories. He was telling me about what it was like for him to drive in that thing. And we, I was telling him what it was like for us to know that he was driving in that thing. And he said, you know, when we were dating, you ask me what I like about you. And I know most women want to hear, oh, because you're cute or something like that. He said, you're cute. He said, but I'm so grateful that I have a wife who can pray me through a storm. Come on. The Bible is not just a good book, a nice book to have on your coffee table. It's not just a lucky charm that if you have it, near that it'll ward off evil. This book is God-breathed, and his words and his promises have power and can keep you anchored no matter what is going on. Even if you've heard certain scriptures before, sometimes you need to keep it around you, maybe on sticky notes or on your phone or memorize it to be able to keep you in the middle of your storm. Another way that we can be anchored is through God's presence. In this story, there is this underlying sense that God is with Paul, and he's watching over him. He says, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. That means that they're intimately connected. You see, in Acts 23, it says that Jesus stood beside him. And in Acts 27, it says that the angel stood beside him. And there's something about having God near that gives you confidence. In the Old Testament, Moses received a command from the Lord, and he said back to God, look, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. It's when you know that you're not alone and the most powerful being in the universe is with you. 
Paul actually would go on to say in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that if God be for us, who can be against us? We can have this same confidence. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. This is part of the reason why Jesus had to die. This is not in your notes, but in John chapter 16, verse 7, it says that Jesus said, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John 14 says that the spirit abides with you and will be in you. I love that song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I love that. There's this one line in it. It says, let us become more aware of your presence. And it's not that we always have to just feel goosebumps everywhere we go, you know, in Target or in Meyer. It's not that we have to feel those goosebumps. Sometimes we just need to raise our awareness that, hey, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and therefore he's with me. Yeah. And so something that happened to me, um, it was March of last year, March of 22 where I was with my, my therapist, and usually when I'm with my therapist, uh, we have a great time. I mean, she's Christian, and we pray, and it's very healing. This particular day, we went really deep off into some childhood pain and some trauma for me, and then the 50 minutes were up, and I didn't know what to do. I felt like my, my whole soul, my emotions, everything felt lanced, completely open, and I decided I didn't know what to do, you know, I, like, do I take a drink? No, 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 no. I said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get in God's presence. I'm going to seek him first. And it was a Friday, which is when the offices and the church is closed on that Friday, on Fridays. And so I got here. The only people here were the janitor and his family. And so most of the staff knows this about me. I love this room. And when I come in here and I pray, I cut off all the lights. And the only lights that were on were the windows were open in the back. And so when the janitor and his family left, the, the lights here in the hallway, they go off automatically. And when he left, after a while, the lights went off. So it was nice and dark, just a little bit of the light from in the back coming in. It's a real sweet moment. And so I'm in here, and I'm just kind of walking back and forth, just, just right up and down here. I'm just walking back and forth, and I'm praying and I'm worshiping, and I'm crying, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, right? I'm just kind of just walking back and forth and doing that. And I got to where I was about, about where that last carpet starts, starts right there. And I'm just walking like this, just kind of, you know, shuffling along, crying, worshiping. And all of a sudden, instead of looking down, I look up. And in that left door, I saw a reflection and I'm still walking, right? I'm still walking. And I see shoulders. The first thing I see are shoulders. And the shoulders were moving at the same cadence and pace as me. And I'm shuffling now. It's doing this. And I'm looking at it. And I, you know, I can't process what that is. And then it's this big, huge chest and shoulders. And then all of a sudden, I see the head. And I see the hair. And I'm like, that ain't me. And then I look in the right door. And I see myself. I see my hair and I see my reflection. I could even see a little bit of my facial features. I couldn't see any facial features in the reflection on the left-hand side. And at that moment, I'll be honest with you, it didn't change the pain that I was feeling. I didn't feel less pain. 
But it was later on, after I reflected about what that was, that I realized that God was with me. And the scripture that came to me is that he's near to the brokenhearted. And then I began to realize that the Holy Spirit is actually with me. And it's not something that... um, It's not something that is odd. The Holy Spirit is in us. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 2 Corinthians 6 says, We are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And that vision, I believe that God gave me, it wasn't just for me, and it wasn't just because I'm special in any way, not at all. I believe that it was something that I'm supposed to tell people about, just so that you know. We hear that God is with us and that he's in us, right? We've heard it before. Some of us have heard that before, but there is a reality to that. The Bible is true when it says that God is in you and with you. How could he walk with me at the same pace. He wasn't ahead of me. He wasn't behind me. He was with me. And his shoulders was doing the exact same thing that mine was doing at the same time. That means that he was close, that he was intimate with me. And he's close to you. And you know, I've taken that that image with me into some hard places. And over this past year, some hard meetings and some hard rooms that I walked into where I felt alone. And then before I let myself feel too bad, I said, you know who's with me? Greater is he, my God. Greater is he who's with me and in me than he who is in the world. And so you, if you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you and with you. And you never have to be alone, but you can pray. Let me become more aware. And it's an act of faith, isn't it? It's an act of faith. Because like I said before, you don't necessarily feel these goosebumps, but it's just an act of faith that he is with you wherever you go. Another way that we can anchor ourselves is to totally rely on God. There were all these these sailors on that ship, and they were trying to get to their destination safely. And usually to get to their destination safely, they use instruments that they're aware of and that they know and that they're taught. One of them was the stars. But verse 20 says that when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally lost all hope. So the way that they were used to navigating through the world, they'd lost that and they didn't have that. And we can imagine how disorienting that must have been for them. One of the instruments that they did have, it showed that they were in shallow waters and that they were scared because if they're in shallow waters, that means that they're going to, they could possibly run up on some rocks and they could have a crash. And so some of the sailors, what they decided to do was based off of that information, get a lifeboat. And then some of them pretended like they were doing something else, but really they were going to get out of that ship and they were going to get into that lifeboat and try to save themselves. But Paul got wind of it and he said to the centurion, he said, unless these men stay in the ship, 
They can't be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. And we have to ask ourselves this morning, what methods were we trained to navigate life with? What have we come to rely on? What methods make sense to you, even if they're not in line with God's word? Where do you go first when you're in trouble, under stress, or trying to make a decision? I know I'm all up in your business, but only because God is all up in mine. Paul didn't play nice with the alternative way out. He didn't say, hey, guys, don't get on that lifeboat, okay, and then walk away because it was a matter of life and death for them. If they got outside of the place that God had ordained, then they were going to die. They would not be saved. The alternative ways in which we try to help ourselves can eventually or already lead us in the wrong direction. And they can turn into bondage for us. There's no real life in it. The solution, like what we see in the scripture, is to cut it off. Don't play with it. My husband says, don't play tiddlywinks. Don't act like you're doing God's will, like you're on your way to do God's will, and then secretly have an alternative plan to go do this thing over here. There are some things that we need to cut the ropes on and to let it go and not rely on it anymore. That thing that we've been relying on can't carry us to our destination. It doesn't have the potential or strength to get us where we need and want to be. That vessel that we've been relying on is not fit for the journey we're on. It can't carry you. There's some situations and people and things that we've been relying on and looking to for help that God may be bringing to your heart right now. He might be bringing some things to your mind right now. I urge you to let that go. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to cut it off. He wants you to wait and see the salvation of the Lord. You might think, why so much control? Like, why, why can't I do my own thing? Yours in my own way looks like this. I think we have a video of that. There is exclusivity in God's way, but not because of control or dominance. It's because he knows that his way is the best way. It's actually an act of pure love because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. And I want to ask the worship team to come back up. God wants to be the first place that you or I go. And if all the advice you receive goes against his way, then it's wrong. It's wrong, and it's not good for you. God wants us to totally rely upon him because it's the best way. He wants us to taste and see that he is good. But that involves a cutting away. That involves you putting all your eggs in one basket, all your weight, all your life, all your trust in one place, in him. Let him prove to you that he is good, that he can be a refuge for you, that he can be a reliable all in all. He's big enough to handle your stuff and my stuff. Jesus' name in Hebrew actually means salvation. 
He wants to be your savior. He wants to show you that he's a very present help in the time of trouble. He wants to be a refuge and a strength for you. Let him be that for you today. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's do something that Pastor Ricky, Pastor Ricky does. And let's close our eyes. And hands and palms up. before God and whatever it is that you've been holding on to maybe one hand on him and one hand on that thing I want you to tell God right now that you want to let it go and hold on to him if today is the first day that you want to make him the Lord of your life It's the safest, best choice that you could ever make. And all you have to do is to believe in him and to tell him, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. But you have to confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And so all of us today, why don't we say it together, just in case somebody's a little shy. Repeat after me. Jesus, I believe in you with all of my heart. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died and rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. Now for some of those who call themselves Christ followers, I believe that God, just like Paul, has an expected end for you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that plan and that purpose cannot be sunk. May I encourage you today? It doesn't matter what it looks like. That plan and that purpose cannot be sunk. If God says it, it is so, and it will continue to be so. Trust in him. Hold on to his word. Be more aware of his presence and let everything else go. We thank you for that, God. In the name of Jesus, take our lives, Lord, and do something amazing, amazing with it, just like you did for Paul. We thank you and praise you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. I will say this, because God's word is so powerful, I compiled a list of scriptures that you can rely on. If you're looking for something, if you're trying to find a scripture that you can anchor your life to, if you just scan that QR code, there's a list of scriptures that you can look through. And if you don't find anything for your particular situation, just Google it. That's what we do for everything else. Google scriptures for parenting or Google scriptures for grief or whatever it is. But there's something powerful in God's word just for you. And you can find it there. Also, I compiled a a playlist of music. I have kind of eclectic taste. So you can find that on the QR code as well. Something that will encourage you. 
as you begin and stay anchored to God and His Word. God bless you as you worship.